From floundering startups to the most notorious brands in the world, there are companies who have a dark and sordid history that they don't want anyone to know about. From crimes of passion to calculated fraud to accidental corporate blunders, there's a world of mystery left at the feet of companies trying to earn an extra dollar. From macabre marketing departments to executioner executives, what are the shadowy secrets brands are hiding that they never want to see the light of day? Join me, Jane Hargrave, in uncovering the seedy underbelly of marketing, branding, and all things business in the new podcast, Buyer Beware. Welcome to the first episode of the Buyer Beware podcast. I'm your host, Jane Doe, and I'll be your guide through the seedy underbelly of marketing, branding, and all things business. We talk about horrifying marketing campaigns, baleful corporate blunders, and crimes of the heart, and the pocketbook. Today, we're going to dive into the controversial world of the biggest Ponzi scheme in the world. Bernie Madoff. Let's go back in time. It's December 2008. Single Ladies by Beyonce is the number one song on the radio. Cold outside, Christmas is right around the corner. You open the newspaper and see the same thing everyone else in the world sees that morning. Headlines splashed with the name Bernie Madoff. Investors who thought that they were living the high life with the secret to success in their back pocket suddenly found themselves on the brink of financial ruin. There's a definition of Ponzi scheme under every front page headline. The Madoff scandal wasn't just fake news. It was the stuff of legends. $50 billion is unthinkable to most of us here in the real world. Overnight, he became the definition of notorious. If you had been a fly on the wall that day in workplaces and subway cars, you would have heard everyone and their mother's opinion on how one man could possibly have orchestrated such a colossal financial heist right under our noses. Surely, it would take a true Pink Panther moment for him to get this far, right? From the true deep-dive financial publications that only Wall Street reads, to mainstream newspapers and late-night talk shows, the Madoff scandal was quite literally everywhere. Some reports dubbed him a financial wizard who went bad, while others were quick to suddenly point out the glaring red flags that had been there seemingly all along. Where had they been before the hammer dropped? Nobody was able to clarify. What is clear, though, is how the media played a pivotal role in exposing the scheme. Because this kind of crime had a huge educational element to it. Before 2008, almost nobody had even heard of a Ponzi scheme, let alone the intricacies of how it operated. Even though the media helped answer the questions that everyone was asking at the time, it also amplified questions about how such a massive fraud could go undetected for so long, which nobody seemed to have the answer to. In this episode, we'll peel back the layers of media coverage surrounding the ubiquitous baddie, Bernie Madoff. 
examining the shockwaves it sent through the business world and the lasting impact it had on all things finance in America. Before Bernie Madoff became a notorious name, he was a kid from Queens with big dreams. Born in 1938, Madoff came from a relatively modest background with his parents and two siblings. His parents were first-generation Jewish Americans, children of immigrants from Poland, Austria, and Romania. His dad, Ralph, who worked as a plumber and a stockbroker, and his mom, Sylvia, raised him to believe truly in the American dream. He graduated from Hofstra University, which, for those of you who don't know, is the largest private university on Long Island, with alumna from Francis Ford Coppola to Christopher Walken. He started law school, but left after a year, in order to found his own business, Bernard L. Madoff Investment Securities. But here's the truth. While many people will say he became an overnight success on his own, Bernie didn't just magically become some Wall Street hotshot by winging it. He married into a family legacy in the financial world. You see, though I mentioned Madoff's dad being a stockbroker slash plumber while Bernie was growing up, his wife's family was no stranger to the stock market either. His father-in-law, Saul Alpern, and his brother, Peter Madoff, were early influencers in Bernie's career. The Madoff firm was built on relationships, and Bernie's circle of family and friends were his initial clientele. He used these connections to create a sense of exclusivity and trust, setting the stage for what would become the most notorious Ponzi scheme in all of history. We'll dig deep to uncover how Madoff's early life, his family ties, and his ability to cultivate a loyal client base laid the foundation for the incredible rise and eventual fall of his financial empire. Here's where the Madoff story starts to get really quite interesting. Let's review the picture we've been painting. Bernie Madoff, a man who'd started small, was on the brink of something big. He was steadily becoming known for delivering consistent, positive returns in both bull and bear markets, but what's even more remarkable is how he managed to achieve this without even investing the funds he was entrusted with. Madoff's firm began as an unregistered mutual fund, a private investment vehicle that promised clients steady returns. But here's the twist. Madoff wasn't actually investing their money in the markets at all. While well, on the surface, Madoff's firm presented itself as a true bastion of Wall Street success, a deeper look reveals a complex web of deceit interwoven with legitimate business. Madoff cleverly exploited his reputation as a Wall Street maven to attract investors to his fund, and his legitimate arm, Bernard L. Madoff Investment Securities LLC, was making waves in the financial market with its innovative trading technology, which even played a role in the development of the NASDAQ. This not only solidified his status as a respectable financier, but also served as a perfect cover for his fraudulent activities. Simultaneously, in the shadows of these legal ventures, Madoff's Ponzi scheme was in full swing. He was meticulously using the influx of capital from new investors to pay off older ones. 
projecting an illusion of high returns. This duality of operations was key to maintaining investor confidence and veiling the Ponzi scheme. By masterfully balancing these two faces of his enterprise, Madoff managed to sustain his charade for decades, building a financial empire on a foundation of lies. Frank Avellino and Michael Bienes, two accountants with ties to Madoff, had their own investment funds that funneled money into Bernie's scheme. This cozy arrangement allowed Madoff's operation to flourish, setting the stage for one of the most audacious financial deceptions in history. Picture this. Investigators were circling, suspicions were rising, and the scheme was on the brink of collapse. You see, Madoff's empire rested on a precarious balance. He needed new investments to pay returns to earlier investors, a classic hallmark of a Ponzi scheme. But in the early 2000s, cracks had started to appear. The SEC was inching closer to the truth, and Madoff was running out of tricks. Yet somehow, he managed to evade the noose. How did he do it? And just how close were we to unmasking this audacious fraud? We're about to explore the heart-pounding moments when the House of Cards teetered on the edge. In the midst of this high-wire act, it was December 10th, 2008, a day that would become etched into financial infamy. Bernie Madoff's world was crumbling. The market downturn had triggered a wave of redemption requests from his clients, requests that he knew he couldn't fulfill. It was the beginning of the end. That evening, in a room that had witnessed many triumphs and secrets, Bernie made a shocking confession. It wasn't to the SEC, not to the press, but to his two sons, Mark and Andrew. In a somber, almost surreal conversation, he revealed the truth that would shake the financial world. His investment empire was an elaborate sham, a Ponzi scheme. His sons, reeling from the revelation, were faced with an impossible dilemma. They had lived their lives in the shadow of their father's towering reputation, and now they stood at a crossroads that no son should ever have to face. After a night of turmoil, they made a decision that would forever alter the course of their family's history. The next morning, with heavy hearts, Mark and Andrew sought legal counsel. They were advised that they had no choice but to turn their father in. The law was clear, and their moral compass, despite the emotional turmoil, pointed in the same direction. On December 11, 2008, just one day after Bernie's confession, his sons contacted federal authorities. The news of Bernie Madoff's arrest broke with seismic force. It was a move that would earn them both public admiration for their integrity and private anguish for betraying their father. This act of turning in their father marked a tragic end to Bernie's charade. The ripple effects were immediate and far-reaching. Investors, many of whom had put their life savings in Madoff's hands, were left in complete despair. The financial world was rocked to its core, grappling with the reality of the largest Ponzi scheme in history. At this point in the Madoff saga, we reach a pivotal moment, the aftermath. The moment when the world took a collective breath and said, never again. 
The Madoff scandal wasn't just about one man's audacious scheme. It exposed glaring holes in our financial regulatory system. In the wake of the Madoff revelation, regulators and lawmakers scrambled to shore up these regulatory gaps. The Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act emerged as a landmark piece of legislation empowering the SEC and enhancing whistleblower protections. So, what exactly is the Dodd-Frank Act? Picture it as a fortress built to safeguard the financial system against the kind of reckless behavior that led to the 2008 financial crisis and the Madoff scandal. It's a complex web of regulations, a shield against the vulnerabilities that Bernie Madoff so ruthlessly exploited. One of its cornerstone features is the Volcker Rule, a guardrail designed to prevent banks from making certain types of speculative investments that do not benefit their customers. It's like a financial referee, ensuring banks don't gamble with the savings of everyday folks. Then there's the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, a watchdog born out of Dodd-Frank. This agency's sole mission is to protect consumers from the predatory financial practices that once lurked in the shadows of Wall Street. Imagine a guardian, vigilant and ever-watchful, a defender of the consumer's rights. It's a bit dramatic, but it works. But that's not all. Dodd-Frank also gave more muscle to the SEC, the very entity that failed to catch Madoff in time. With enhanced powers, the SEC could now wield a heavier hammer against financial fraudsters, scrutinizing hedge funds and other investment vehicles more closely than ever before. And let's not overlook the whistleblower provisions, a really important part of all of this. These provisions encourage individuals to speak up about wrongdoing and evil going on by offering financial incentives and, crucially, protection against retaliation for reporting. It's like offering a megaphone and a shield to those who have the courage to call out corruption that they see. As we reflect on the legacy of the Madoff scandal, it's clear that Dodd-Frank and the Consumer Protection Act are more than just laws. They are the embodiment of a collective resolve, a society's pledge of never again. They stand as fortified walls protecting our financial system, guarding against greed and deception, ensuring that lessons learned from Bernie Madoff's monumental deceit are not just remembered, but ingrained in the very fabric of our financial future. But that was just the beginning. A series of reforms and amendments followed, aimed at creating a more transparent and accountable financial landscape. The Dodd-Frank Act was a monumental step, but it wasn't the end of the journey in reforming the financial landscape. One such reform was the enhancement of the SEC's Office of Compliance Inspections and Examinations, OCIE. This unit, now more robust than ever before, was tasked with a vital mission to conduct rigorous examinations of investment advisors, mutual funds, and other entities, ensuring compliance with the laws designed to protect investors. Think of OCIE as the financial world's detectives, keen-eyed and ever-vigilant. Another critical reform was the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, 
Finra, taking on a more assertive role. Finra, an independent, non-governmental regulator for securities firms, ramped up its efforts to safeguard market integrity. FINRA became a more formidable guardian against financial misdeeds. Another major change were the amendments to the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, initially enacted in 2002 in response to major corporate and accounting scandals were also a part of this wave of change. These amendments focused on strengthening corporate governance, enhancing the accuracy of financial reporting, and increasing penalties for corporate fraud. In addition to these, international efforts also gained momentum. Regulations like the European Union's Alternative Investment Fund Manager's Directive were established, focusing on increased transparency and monitoring of head funds and other alternative investment entities on a global scale. The collective impact of these reforms and amendments was profound. They represented a paradigm shift in how the financial industry operates, underlining the importance of transparency, accountability, and rigorous oversight. It was a clear message. The financial world had learned its lesson. Sort of. And the safeguards put in place would make it much harder for a scheme like Madoff's to ever occur again, though not impossible. In every story, there are heroes, villains, and those who stand on the sidelines. The Madoff saga had its fair share of victims, some who suffered devastating losses, and others who miraculously escaped unscathed. But what we really need to talk about are the people who lost big. Let's turn our attention to the heart-wrenching side of the Madoff story. Scores of investors saw their life savings evaporate, their dreams shattered. Whenever we talk about stories like this, it's essential to remember that behind the staggering figures and legal reforms are real, human stories. Stories of dreams shattered and lives upended. Let me introduce you to one such account. Meet Eleanor, a fictional character representing the many who suffered under Madoff's deceit. Eleanor a retired school teacher from New Jersey had spent over 30 years molding young minds, saving every penny for a comfortable retirement. She was no high roller on Wall Street. Her investments were her safety net, her hard-earned rewards for years of dedication. In the early 2000s, Eleanor, seeking to secure her future, invested a significant portion of her life savings with Madoff's firm on the recommendation of a friend. The allure of steady returns, the prestige of being part of an exclusive investment circle, it was all too compelling. It seemed like a wise decision, a truly safe bet. But as the scandal broke, Eleanor's world came crashing down. The news that Madoff's investment empire was a mirage hit her like a tidal wave. Her life savings, the fruits of her lifelong labor, were gone, just like that. The impact was devastating. Eleanor, who had envisioned a peaceful retirement, found herself grappling with financial ruin. She had to rethink everything, from everyday expenses to long-held dreams of travel and leisure. The golden years she had meticulously planned for were now tarnished, replaced by uncertainty and distress. The story of Eleanor is not just a tale of financial loss. It's a story of broken trust, 
of betrayal that cut deeper than mere numbers on a balance sheet. It's about the emotional toll, the sleepless nights, the sense of helplessness and anger. Eleanor's experience and that of countless others like her serves as a stark reminder of the ripple effects of Madoff's actions. These were not just wealthy investors. They were individuals from all walks of life who saw their futures dissolve in the wake of Madoff's greed. As we continue our exploration of the Madoff scandal, it's crucial to keep these personal stories in mind. They are the heart of this narrative, the human face of a financial tragedy. They remind us why the pursuit of justice and the importance of financial regulation are about more than just numbers. They're about protecting the hopes and dreams of real people like Eleanor. One pivotal moment was when the SEC prematurely cleared Madoff's trades during their initial investigation into Avellino and Bienes. In the intricate web of Bernie Madoff's deception, a crucial thread leads us back to an earlier chapter, one that reveals a missed opportunity that could have changed the entire outcome of all of this. This chapter centers around the initial investigation into the two accountants, Avellino and Bienes, who were early facilitators in Madoff's Ponzi scheme. The year was 1992, a time when Madoff's operation was gaining momentum, though not yet at its full, dizzying scale. Avellino and Bienes, longtime associates of Madoff, had been funneling investor money into his firm. The SEC, acting on suspicions of unregistered securities, launched an investigation into their activities. This was the moment, a pivotal juncture, when the SEC stood at the threshold of exposing Madoff's burgeoning fraud. However, what transpired next was a series of oversights that would later haunt the archives of financial regulatory history. During the investigation, the SEC did indeed scrutinize Avellino and Bienes, but their probe into Madoff's operations was, in hindsight, startlingly superficial. Madoff's firm, the epicenter of the burgeoning Ponzi scheme, was subject to only a cursory examination. The trades, which were later revealed to be fictitious, were prematurely cleared by the SEC. This oversight was a critical misstep. Instead of delving deeper, the regulators were pacified by Madoff's reputation and the superficial legitimacy of his records. The moment slipped through their fingers, and with it, the opportunity to avert a financial disaster. It was a miscalculation that allowed Madoff to continue his charade, to expand his scheme to the colossal fraud that would eventually collapse with such devastating consequences. It was like a green light signaling that everything was A-OK, -okay, but in reality, it was anything but. As we reach the final stretch of our journey, it's time to shine a light on the shadows that often lurk behind the scenes of these financial sagas. Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme wasn't a one-man show. It had a supporting cast of characters, some of which danced dangerously close to the fire. While Madoff himself became the face of this colossal deception, there were others suspected but not convicted who may have played a role in enabling or benefiting from the scheme. 
These people went unnamed almost entirely because of Madoff's complete responsibility, acceptance, and confession. Had he taken a plea deal, there would have had to have been conspirators named, and Bernie's refusal to do this saved anyone else who was involved years in jail, but cost him a probable life sentence. These shadowy figures remain a part of the Madoff mystery, leaving us with unanswered questions about who else may have been involved, either knowingly or unknowingly. In the grand finale, let's take a step back and reflect on the big picture. How could something of this magnitude happen at all? Who failed to stop it before it became an uncontainable financial wildfire? And perhaps most importantly, was Vernie Madoff an anomaly? Or did his crazy scheme open up a Pandora's box of similar financial deceptions? Madoff's scheme wasn't the first or the last of its kind. It's a stark reminder that the financial world can be a breeding ground for deception and awful things, and that regulators and investors must remain vigilant. In the wake of the Madoff scandal, other Ponzi schemes were uncovered, in part due to increased scrutiny prompted by Madoff's own downfall. It's a chilling testament to the fact that while Madoff may have been the biggest player in the game, he wasn't the only one. In our journey through everything that Bernie Madoff did. We've unraveled the layers of this epic saga, explored its far-reaching implications, and touched upon the shadows that still haunt the financial world. But remember, this story isn't just about one man's deception. It's a lesson in vigilance, accountability, and the ongoing battle to protect our financial systems from those who seek to exploit them. It's important to remember that those in power rarely have your best interests in mind. So, buyer beware. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for more deep dives into the mysteries of marketing, branding, and all things business. Until next time.